1: Welcome to Cavs a podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I am here with Tom Pestak. Tom, you there? Hey, I'm here, Nate. Uh, just uh, it's kind of a som— not kind of somber day in the NBA. Uh, we are food for worms, Tom. We, yeah. Uh,
2: well, tomorrow's tomorrow's never guaranteed. I guess no, is a, you, a valuable lesson to
1: heed. Yeah. Yeah, you can wake up, walk out your door tomorrow, and you don't know what's going to happen. You know, odds are you will not win the lottery, and odds are you will go home and get up the next morning, but neither of those things are guaranteed. So, I mean, pretty crazy, crazy news. Um, Obviously, the news that Kobe Bryant passed away, um, along with his 12-year-old daughter, Call her Gigi. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can you repeat Gianna, that time? Anna. Can you repeat that time? I think she's
2: 13. Yeah. I think she's 13. Yeah. And they call her Gigi. And I think, uh, you know, Kobe is showing with her talking basketball, taking her to games and pointing things out. So I think she played basketball and they were heading to his academy with some other players and their parents and uh that's awful just just a really tragic story yeah and it really was awful and and obviously just no matter what you know anything like this happens is awful but there's this other element to it you know where it's 2020 so there's drones and tmz and you know all these Different news organizations trying to keep up with TMZ, so everyone's reporting kind of like half truths. And at one point, all of his daughters were on board, which seemed hard to believe since his youngest daughter is only six months old. Um, at one point, Rick Fox was on board, you know. Um, and I heard that the family found out from TMZ, so that that's kind of disgusting to me, you know. But like I said, no matter how the news would break, that's um, not
1: kind of disgusting. That's ridiculous.
2: Right, I guess what I'm saying is that no matter what, it's going to be devastating news. But yeah. it's just kind of I don't know. Like I, I kept thinking t- how today felt. You know, because I remember when Princess Diana died. Um, you know, I know when Roberto Clemente died, it was very shocking. But 2020 just creates this really strange. It's just strange. It's not good. I, I'm not going to say it's always terrible, but like being on Twitter today after a couple people texted me and just kind of sitting here waiting to see what happens it felt it felt kind of dirty it, it it made me kind of angry i did but i didn't know what
1: else to do it's like i don't know you you felt like a rubber
2: i just it felt kind of voyeuristic you know it was strange yeah i mean i, I don't know but I, I was very sad i mean i i i uh, i don't know i i thought about kobe probably more than any other non-Cleveland athlete of every athlete that I've ever you know, thought about. I've probably written more about Kobe. I know I've written more about Kobe than any other non-Cleveland athlete. and um, But it's just, you know, sports, you're really writing about really the athlete on the team. You're not really considering the human, you know, other than their attitude and how they approach, approach the game, you're not really ever writing about their family, or you know what they are like as a person. I mean, I certainly never did. I never waded into, you know, trying to become an expert on Kobe's personal life because I knew that was definitely outside of, you know, my ability to speculate on. But um,
1: yeah, it's and weird. It, it's and like certainly thought- the person that, I mean, he has much like David Stern, uh, a very complicated legacy, especially some of the stuff. Uh, the sexual assault charges early in his career in Colorado and very much rehabilitated his image, uh, became known as a family man, uh, and especially in his post-playing days. Um, yeah. It's, it definitely shows you that the person that you are when you are young is not the person that you turn out to be, and that also is a lesson for You know, those of us who want to, you know, rest all our hopes and dreams of, uh, whether a team's going to be good or not on a a young person that's clearly not fully formed at, at 21 or 22. And, um,
2: well, you know, I, I made a, uh, little cottage industry from about, I'll say, you know, I don't know, 2005 to, 2000, I don't know, ten, um, basically just spending hours compiling statistical rationale behind why LeBron was a superior player to Kobe, and um, I was so so, I mean, I'll, at this point, I'll use the word petty. I guess I didn't think it was petty at the time, but um, I would get up and watch the Olympics in the middle of the night in Beijing. <laughs> Um, rooting against Kobe, an American, <laughs> and I'm a pretty patriotic guy. That is how that is how deep my tribalism was. You had
1: you had a heap and helping of sports hate. Huh? I
2: I really did, and and, and
1: and I don't think that quote unquote sports hate is the worst thing. Uh, I think it it keeps you engaged. It's fun, but it's almost to me kind of has you kind of have to take it like pro wrestling you know i mean it's like once they're off the floor you have to realize that's a person and yeah and i didn't i didn't get into no no i I don't i'm not saying that you did at all but you know that's that's the danger
2: but what was it was interesting transformation in my own mind was i became obsessed with an idea which was that the way lebron approached the game which was very team-centric um Based on a lot of passing, was superior to the way Kobe approached the game. So, to me, it didn't matter that, um, you know, LeBron would pass up the last shot to a Darnell Marshall, and you know, the fact that LeBron was always killed for not having a quote killer instinct bothered me because the numbers, you know, in my opinion, proved that, you know, on the whole, LeBron was was a better player and more valuable to his team. And then 82games.com came out and they started posting like clutch stats and LeBron's clutch stats were even better than Kobe's. So to me, Kobe had this reputation that was kind of outsized. And a lot of it, I, I, I over years of, of trying to figure this out, I boiled it down to two things. One, the LA fan base is, is, is by far the, the craziest fan base in the NBA, if not one of the craziest in sports, because he was a messiah to them. I mean, the... I I held no candle. You know, the way I, I treated LeBron, I mean, what Lakers fans would do for Kobe, it was just like no contest how much they love that guy. And so I felt like they had an outsized role in his reputation. And the second thing was that he would take and make audacious shots that a lot of other people just wouldn't even take. And so even though his percentages weren't always great, there was enough, you know, shots where he made them that that's what I, I realized people started to remember. So he
1: actually has a stat named after him
2: of the Kobe assist, the Kobe assist, which is a a, yeah, a terrible, shot. A terrible yeah. shot that leads to a, an offensive rebound, which leads to an easy bucket. <laughs>
1: yeah, but exactly. the
2: interesting transformation that, that really took place to me um, after the uh, Brexit 1.0 and uh, I, I grew up the, the a little decision. bit. The decision I I had a chance at some perspective was I really started to respect um, Kobe's work ethic. The fact that he really didn't, until his Achilles injury, he aged incredibly gracefully. Like he did not have an Iverson esque, like chucker fall from grace. Um, Not what we've seen from like Mello and a lot of other very talented scorers. He played at a high level for a very long time. And I appreciated that even when he was on crappy teams, um, he maintained, you know, and, and this was I could look through stats and be like, man, Kobe's really getting up there, but he's starting to, you know, break all these records and stuff like that. And I don't know. And then he became kind of a softer, you know, he was he was such a you know, he had he really played the part of that bad guy for a long time in the NBA. Like you can all hate me, you know, and of course Lakers fans loved it, but. He was always one of the most hated players. Until LeBron left, I mean Kobe was by far the most hated player in the NBA. People forget that because he became his popularity spread outside of LA after you know, once he got into the twilight of his career and he was more of an ambassador for the game and he was no longer, you know, kind of a a threat, I guess. And so now all the players I, I
0: think
1: his popularity was always outside of LA, but with high hardcore you know regional uh people who really loved their team that didn't come till you know what you're describing now but i mean like if you asked a casual fan in you know new york or um akron maybe not akron akron's a bit columbus or you know kentucky or some place that isn't like regionally affiliated with basketball or have had terrible teams for the last 20 years kobe was not saying he
2: wasn't popular. I'm saying he was the no, most no. hated, he was the most hated player. No okay. player oh,
1: okay. was yeah. as polarizing as Kobe. Okay, I I got what you're saying.
2: And I mean, so taking just, you know, myself as an example,
1: you had to have last, an opinion one way or the other. Uh, yeah, he he forced you to have an opinion. But yeah. but the last 3 or 4
2: years of his career, I was not a Kobe hater. I mean, I I watched that last game with just this giant smile on my face that whole second half as he poured in all those points, I, you know, I, I just had such an appreciation for what he did after spending, I don't know, a better part of a decade tearing down what he did, and and you know, and it's I'm glad I didn't take it too far because looking back, it's like really pretty silly, and and it's 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 kind of a arrogant. To take, you know, one of the best players that's ever played the sport, and basically have this mindset that he sucked, and that he was like the most overrated player of all time. <laughs> um, even though I, I, I do think at the time he was a little overrated because I, I think it was hard yeah. to argue in any season he was, you know, obviously the best player. Um, but yeah, it's like on a day like today, I just felt just really sad. Like, you know, I, I was at first, you know, when Kobe retired, and it was like detail inside the mind of Kobe. I was kind of rolling my eyes a little bit like, oh man, Kobe, he's just, he's too in love with the spotlight. He's not going to, he's not going to just like right off into the sunset. He's going to make sure, you know, he remains. But, you know, honestly, it's been four years and I, I think he's been a great ambassador for basketball and I enjoy, Um, yeah, it, it was cool when LeBron passed him because i know there was maybe not animosity but i know lebron and kobe were not friends i mean kobe wasn't friends with very many people at all that weren't his teammates and yeah. uh, i think and he wasn't friends with all his teammates no oh no and i, th- yeah. I think you know kobe and lebron um lebron's passive aggressive enough that he was never going to you know actually you know call out kobe while kobe was playing but i think it really bothered lebron that the the, the knock on LeBron nationally was always that he didn't have a killer instinct and that he would choke. And Kobe kind of became like LeBron's foil in that regard in the late 2000s when it it was pretty obvious to any, I guess, analytical observer of basketball that LeBron was a superior player. But you could have this argument that you know the stats didn't matter because you know Kobe was the guy that you wanted with the ball in his hands at the last second, blah 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 blah. And that stuff got inside LeBron's head. I mean, it it truly did. There was an All Star game
1: I where LeBron it, I was just thinking of that.
2: Yeah, LeBron would not shoot down the stretch, and, and Kobe like on camera. Didn't is Kobe caught. block his shot? Kobe is on camera, basically taunting him and being like, "Are you kidding me? You're not going to take that shot in an All Star game? Like you're so." mind effed that you know you're you know it was just like and and i think and lebron you just saw him with this look on his face like just feeling so discouraged at himself and lebron had a lot of demons that it took him a while to bury and you know kobe exists as a really good foil to lebron and it's just such a shame you know i saw um i don't know if it was wayne embry's kids or ben cox tweeting today how pissed he was about the HGH magic that they robbed us of a Kobe LeBron finals, because yeah. that, that could have been one of the greatest battles ever. Cause in 2009, you know, the Lakers won the title, but the Cavs were the best team in the regular season that year. Yep. And they had won eight games by double digits before running into a, the roided up magic who were also just on a buzz saw. Yeah. So that could have been an epic finals. And that's what we were gearing up for was, uh, yeah, was Cavs, Cavs, Lakers. That Christmas Day game that year uh, was insane against the Lakers. And then the next year, 2010, the Jamario Moon game was insane because it was like LeBron was at the height of his. I mean, in terms of like PER and things like that, 2009, 2010, those were those were the that was the start of LeBron's like this is Jordan all time level way up into the 30s yeah. PER. And Kobe was, you know, just off of a championship and, you know, had a, had a solid team around him and he could still drop 40 on you at
1: years, right?
2: Yeah, Saul and Odom was, uh, one of the best six men's in the, six men in the league. They had, uh, Andrew, the Mercurial Andrew Bynum. Um, uh, they still Rick had Fox Derek. That team. I think he was retired for that team, but they still had Derek Fisher somehow. Cause that guy yeah. played until he was like in his forties. They
1: had, uh. See, who that else team have Robert team? Oury, was that when he was with the Spurs? No, I think that was a little earlier. Okay. Yeah, that was a Shaq era. You still there, Tom?
2: Yeah. Sasha, Sasha Vujicic, I think yeah. they
1: had. And... Are you pulling it up? No, I can. No, no I got it. You keep talking.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway. I, you know, I, Another thing, I didn't mention this, but I spent all those years – you know, analyzing the stats, coming to the conclusion that LeBron's style was better. But Kyrie Irving actually taught me a really important lesson, and that is that all the analytics in the world are useful for the regular season, not the postseason. And so the the, the best lesson I could have ever learned about that was watching Kyrie's absolutely horrific uh twenty fifteen campaign where um Matthew Vadova, by comparison um you know the Cavs had a plus minus that was like all time and with Kyrie it was not great at all and you know his selfish attitude and just his inability to make anyone better um was apparent every night and it was apparent in the stats and i remember just thinking like okay Kyrie Irving he's he's just like Kobe Bryant with less talent and and a more and a more fragile body and then you saw what the the pure talent and the ability to score in isolation against a team that you may have to play seven straight times that knows all of your tendencies, just literally the ability to get buckets to make hard shots, how valuable that can be in a playoff series. And so, you know, to all the Chuckers of the world, the Iversons, the the Kobes, all the guys that, you know, had the 45% and below field goal percentage, But could take and make insane shots. That's a skill that um, becomes much more valuable in the postseason. And so I think uh, I never had an appreciation for that back when I was, you know, bashing Kobe on a daily basis. First, at the Fox Sports had the ability you could create your own little mini blogs and people could follow you. It was really fun. And then they just one day just axed it out of nowhere. But we had a, we had a really, Raucous community there, and uh, we would, you know, there were some Laker fans, and some of them were just nutty, and then there were some Cavs fans, and then there were fans of players, and it was it, just fun. It's like
1: back when the comment boards weren't just human cesspools of humanity.
2: Well, and it was also <laughs> that the comment boards there weren't that many people doing this, it wasn't like now ESPN or someone posts something, and then random people with their Facebook accounts that you've never heard, you never hear from again chime in to spew some vile nonsense yeah it was like how cows the blog is now where there were regulars and you you knew each other's uh arguments you know <laughs> um and, and you just went to battle and every game was sort of like either used as ammo or you had to find some kind of defense against it or or say it's just one game or something but man after a Gosh, if the Cavs or the Lakers would play, if the if the Cavs and the Lakers would play each other, oh man, it was crazy. And then we'd we'd all write little blogs. That was the thing. It wasn't like a blog with commenters. It was like everyone had a blog, and you could chime in on each other's posts. So, yeah, you know, after a after a win or a loss, you know, you would write a little post, and people could come in and say what they thought of it or whatever. So. I was very active back then. I'm shocked. Yeah. I mean, I wrote, I wrote a ton of stuff and it was, a lot of it was like what you would expect from me. It's like I got (laughs) on a roll and then it was like a top 10 list turned into a top 100 list or something. I'd be writing
1: Terrible Kobe moments and decisions.
2: Yeah. Well, I'd I'd be writing for, you know, 18 hours straight. I was a student, so I could, you know, do stuff like that. I didn't have a, you know, a real job or a family to support. And, um, the funniest part was um, there was another Cavs fan named Rooster. And so, you know, me <laughs> and my buddy and this guy Rooster would always, you know, we were, like, always talking trash to this guy named Dusty Laker, who was basically, like, he was, like, our, he was, like, Coles. It was just, like, this guy that would come in. <laughs> Dusty Laker. It was Laker. Just like, he was unreasonable. It's, like, you could, it's, like, dude, come on. And Kobe, everything. Just Kobe was... You could do no wrong. Um, You know, in any argument, it's funny because then years later, True Hoop did that Daily Dime chat room that would go on at night. Oh, I was never on that chat room. Oh, yeah. And that's where really like the rings with a bunch of Zs where that was formed – because anytime those kind of arguments would happen, a Lakers fan would just say, like, count the rings with a count bunch of beats. Count the rings. And like, so that became who's like the best
1: the, coach? It's Phil, that, count the rings.
2: Yeah, so that became, like, the meme for Daily Dime. Well, that, that, you know, that had been going on forever because Kobe already had a three-peat under his belt in the mid-aughts when we were having these discussions, and, of course, LeBron had none. So every argument, you know, if, uh, if, uh, if Dusty Laker or anyone else felt backed into a corner— they would just count the rings, basically. Um, so, yeah, me and Rooster and my buddy would you know, go at Dusty all the time. And then there was a guy named Brandon Hoffman who actually created a pretty successful website called Baller Blogger that I think is still around. And he was a big Lakers fan, but he lived in Denver. And so he was more reasonable. I mean, he was a huge Kobe fan, but... He was at least reasonable. And so we would, we would go at him too. We, uh, Rooster called him Hoffy. So we would, we would go at Hoffy. Dusty was, was the worst by far. And, um, but what was crazy is me and my buddy went to a Cavs game and there's two guys sitting next to us and midway through the game, like we realize they know a lot of really interesting, like, tidbits of information that is like wow these guys are really knowledgeable Cavs fans and like we had dug into the stats and all that kind of stuff but these guys understood like the subculture we start talking to them it was freaking rooster it was like the craziest thing ever and we both like realized it and we just started going crazy it was like what are the odds because we never thought we'd meet in real life and we ended up at a calves game together next to each other and so then I, I took a picture we wrote a post about it and like
1: just accidentally or on purpose? Just
2: accidentally. No, no, wow. just accidentally. It'd be like if imagine if me and you didn't use our real names. I used tsunami and you used, I don't know, old C Mike. Hoop's mine. dog. Yeah, hoops dog, and we you know, but we had this weird anti Kobe, anti liquor camaraderie for a year, and then randomly at like a Cavs game, we start chatting with each other and we realize that we are that's those bizarre.
1: People. It was to-
2: yeah, that's totally like, bizarre. One it was in a
1: like- million shots. But what's really sad is
2: we never actually knew who we really were. I mean, I don't know. I I, I didn't get his number. We didn't find it out. I, maybe he told us his real name, but I don't remember. And then, like, not that long after, Fox Sports just killed it, and it was impossible to find those people. I've looked. I've looked for like X Rooster X thirty six or whatever, and can't find them. So like, I don't know what happened to that guy. But if somehow you're out there, I miss you, man. It was those were fun I battles. Miss you, Rooster. <laughs> Fifteen years ago, yeah, that guy was awesome. Yeah. But hope he's doing all right because he was like way too into sports gambling.
1: So, jeez. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's just shocking. um Yeah, he was. I'd forgotten about the three Pete. Um, how many? How many championships did he have? Four. Or? Five. Five.
2: Wow. The three Pete, and then there was the uh, two yeah, well, so he had the three peat. He was brighter than bright. Then he sort of got blamed for running Shaq out of town, which I mean, it's kind of both of them, right? They they both had yeah. big egos. And then there was the, um, you know the the criminal. Well, I don't know if it was criminal or what. The the, the sexual assault case. Mm-hmm. And then there was um, the Lakers sucked for a couple years, and he demanded um, he was going to get they,
1: traded they, to Chicago.
2: He demanded that they do something because <laughs> they he had was, a trade in the works for
1: Lou Aldang.
2: Was really upset. Oh, culture changer Lou Aldang. Yeah, <laughs> I and he, I remember say that. he he talked trash about uh Sasha or what was it? Smush Parker? Was that the guy? Mm-hmm. He was like, are you kidding me Smush Parker <laughs> with this? Like <laughs> are you kidding me Lakers with this? And then uh it turns out he One of right. the one of the one of the wackiest <laughs> trades ever. The Pau Gasol uh, trade for, for a his draft. brother. Well, it was, right, it was for a draft pick. that. Became...
1: But no, but his brother, no, it wasn't. His brother was on the roster. He was, they had the rights to, it was a second round pick. He wasn't very highly thought of. Nobody thought he would become a decent NBA player. And so his brother was in the trade.
2: All right. Yeah. Well, at the time, I mean, Greg Popovich, I remember, was just in total disbelief that something like that could happen. And people tried to argue since that, oh, it really worked out for Memphis. And it's like, um, no, it well, didn't. Well,
1: <laughs> it, it was pure dumb luck that it worked out for Memphis.
2: Memphis it, it, it didn't work out for Memphis is what I'm saying because Pau Gasol was the key to the Lakers winning two championships after that. He was exactly what they needed, a big man. Um, that fit that triangle offense that Capaz. was unselfish, Capaz. had no ego, so he could let Kobe be Kobe, and he would just do whatever it needed. Well, but even, it, it was just the perfect fit to that team. It, and that's um,
1: my it... all-time rings counter. Is I always, if I really want to get under a Kobe Stan skin, which was always well, Kobe even with Gasol was never the best player on his own team, <laughs> and it would make them so mad. Um and it seems very, very ridiculous now. Um Right. Yeah, I mean it's just yeah. So five championships, how many MVPs?
2: He got that um well he got at least one, right? He got that uh lifetime
1: achievement MVP. Two thousand eight. Uh, yeah. He was not the best. What was player the that lifetime year. achievement MVP?
2: No, that's what I'm saying, like he was you can't find a season. where oh, you know, got,
1: gotcha, gotcha.
2: You would say Kobe was like the best uh, player. The but we're tired of
1: giving it to LeBron Lifetime uh, MVP yeah. Award.
2: Yeah, like if he was ever yeah. gonna win it, it probably should have been you know his r- ultra chucker year, two thousand five, two thousand six, when he scored thirty five a game. Um, mm. but you know that was like one of the Steve Nash years, which that was a joke that Nash won it. But that was a ooh, it's a shiny new thing. Let's give it to the straw that stirs that drink on a team with you know a prime amari stoudemire prime sean marion joe you know? johnson it was yeah. like okay i get it that if kobe was ever gonna win it you know you'd probably make the case that it would have been when he was 27 or 28 but then it really wasn't until when they won the two titles those were the years lebron got mvp because statistically lebron was just absurd those years so, but he got the lifetime achievement one once the Lakers started getting good again in 2008 because it was kind of like, man, Kobe led the league in scoring in the last two years. He put an 81 point game up in there somewhere. It was, you know, there was the Olympics where everyone deemed him greatest player on the planet for well, some reason. And
1: let, let's not forget that they won 65 games and they were he was the best player on the best team in the league. And this is before the best record, best team by record in the league. He was the best player. And this is before all the, you know, analytic stuff, you know, where you go into the minutia of regression curves on whether this pack player impacts his team, his team's winning more than another player, you know, his value over replacement. He was the best player on the best team that year. So, I mean, I don't.
2: If you sort, let's just. By just total win
1: shares? <laughs> no, just wins. <laughs> Not win shares.
2: So that year, the Lakers were first in the West. They won 57 games. But um, the Celtics... No, no,
1: no. What 2000... Oh, I'm looking at it wrong. Okay, yeah. Yes, yeah,
2: so the year he won MVP, which was also the summer in which he was declared greatest player on the planet, which is um a tagline that just stuck. Even though... Yeah, you know, they got waxed by the Ubuntu 66, 66 win Celtics. In the yeah. Finals.
1: Oh, and and literally, I think a huge port like Bill Simmons owes a huge portion of his career to that Celtics team and just you know making jokes about Kobe going seven for twenty seven in Game Seven.
2: Four. Yeah, four of twenty four or whatever he went. Yeah, six of twenty four. I can't remember. I
1: thought it was seven of twenty seven.
2: I'm gonna go with six of twenty four. Let's see. <laughs> I look it up. That's what I. That's what I
1: remember. I don't remember names, Tom, but I remember numbers.
2: <laughs> yeah, six of twenty-four. Damn. But it. that was. But that was when the Lakers won in twenty
1: ten. Oh. That
2: wasn't when um they got destroyed by Rajon Rondo, who had like a million steals. That was. A, that was such a weird finals. But yeah. but if you go back to that year, um, Kobe ran away with it. It wasn't even close, and yet. Chris Paul, LeBron and Amari Stoudemire had more total win shares that season than Kobe. So that's why I say it's, it was kind of a lifetime achievement award because yeah. it was like, okay, at some point, how is Kobe not going to have an MVP? This <laughs> doesn't make any, any sense.
1: Well, and, and it feels like a lifetime ago. I mean, it's just insane because how old's LeBron now? 35. Yeah.
2: He just turned 35.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's only six years younger. Yep. Um, you know 41 is a ridiculously young age to pass away in you know 2020 um and it's just it, it and there was it, it's very sudden clearly um you know you anytime you walk out the door i've got an article sitting on my phone from from true hoop that is called this is why mothers don't sleep Um, by Henry Abbott and it's a subtitled Vanessa Bryant's nightmare and I'm, I'm going to read it for sure when I I get done here, but it's just, I mean, it's just so crazy. Just everything, anything that can happen to you on any given day. Um, you know, our lives are fragile. Life is precious. Um, you know, and part of me is like, and I it, it is sad that it takes something like this to make you realize it. I mean, and the insane thing is, so, was it 30 years ago? um, 40 years ago? No, 30. Like, 30 and change. Who would have ever thought that Magic Johnson would outlive Kobe Bryant? You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just... It's crazy, and yet you know, ma- I'm I'm sure that Magic is feeling that right now. You know, I mean, and and be thankful for the life that you have, and <laughs> don't end your day, uh, with ill words, of people you love. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, that's kind of what, what I felt. You know, that's what I felt today. I was it took me about an hour to
2: kind of collect myself. I was sort of texting people and i was getting on twitter and trying to i was just hoping none of his daughters were with him and i was really freaking out when the one abc reporter said all four of his daughters were with him i was like this is a nightmare
1: well that's also uh,
2: wildly irresponsible it is yeah (laughs) and so it was i was just kind of like i didn't know what to do it was like i just wanted to to I don't know. I, I had to think about it, process it, but eventually, nothing I was doing was useful, and I just thought I need to try to have fun with my kids,
1: you know. Um, so yeah, and so we we played a lot of games and had a lot of fun, and that's awesome. Yeah, I watched that, that was uh, good. And this wasn't related or a conscious thing, but I I watched Mamma Mia with my ten year old tonight. So and that's like one of her favorite movies. So it's it's like yeah, have fun with your kids, enjoy it. I mean yeah. that's the one thing about, you know, I did not get to watch the game or blog about it last night because I was out at a fundraiser for my daughter's bowling team. And, oh, nice! And it's just like, you know, it it makes you circumspect about the things that you think are super important at certain times, and then you realize, hey, um. It doesn't really matter if the Cavs are the worst team in the league, which they are um, (laughs) right now. Um, Do you enjoy watching them? Do you enjoy bonding with other fans? Do you uh, take time out for your kids? That's That's what matters. I mean, and to me, another part of me is like, you know, we get this worked up when something happens to Kobe Bryant, but... There are people every day that are dying in, I would say, more tragic circumstances. I mean, obviously this is a tragic accident, but, you know, when you have, you know, people in the military dying overseas or you have, you know, these active shooter situations or you have, you know, crippling disease and that kind of stuff. I mean, my, my wife is, is now an oncology nurse and it's like it. She definitely has perspective every day. So, I, I mean, it. I don't even know what I'm trying to get at. Just more about uh, the circle of life, BS. I don't know. Um, no, I, I know what you mean. It's it's. I had those thoughts too. It's kind of like. I mean, why do we make such a big deal about Kobe? And I think. Yeah, part yeah. Of it, that's.
2: I felt like that too. I also felt, and I tried to tweet something to this extent. It's like we knew, you know, more people. Than just Kobe died. And so I was kind of like, well, he's the only name, but, I mean, there's other family members grieving too, and um, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. certain people, they have an outsized um, place in the minds of people on planet Earth. Kobe yeah. was, I mean, Absolutely. this is...
1: Absolutely, I mean, we're touching, he's a cultural touchstone.
2: Yes, I mean, this feels like, in some ways, I think this feels like Almost bigger than like Princess Diana. I mean, well,
1: I mean for Americans, uh, I would say probably especially for African Americans, I'm sure it, it feels that way. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, and, but, and not that know, I'm speaking for that whole culture, but I'm. Well, it was so a big, many people you know, resonate with that. But
2: sometimes you get both. It's not just someone's a cultural figure; it's that they're also kind of young and just getting started. Like well, I mean, and, and
1: athletes are portrayed as so invincible there's you know, that there are they are our greek gods you
2: but know like you know how it was really big news when michael jackson died but it wasn't like this you know it was kind of like yeah it, it's just this is or this... prince this kind of hits you in a yeah. variety of ways. Um,
1: yeah. Well, and it was no, you know, fault of and there his were, own. And
2: there were no, you know, and, and the fact that his daughter was with him and that they uh, were yeah. going to a basketball event, I mean, it's just, it's really tough. It's really yeah. tough.
1: And it's, it just makes you appreciate what you have. Um, I don't know, like, I think I touched on it earlier. I have a really complicated legacy with Kobe because I've, Was not a Kobe fan uh, most of my career or most of my adult life. Um, You know, a lot of teams that I rooted for ended up losing to the Kobe Bryant teams. What was Kobe Bryant's rookie year? Was it 97, 98, maybe? Let me look. 97. Yeah, 96, 97. Came in the league. So I. It's really interesting. I met my wife in 97, a big NBA fan, um, but I didn't become a Cavs fan until I was a huge Celtics fan. And, of course, the Lakers are the Celtics' natural rival. Um, No matter how good any other team is, it's always Celtics-Lakers, going back to those bird magic days. And I hated – because of that, I hated the Lakers – uh, was a huge, uh, just rooted against them every game. And I remember when I first moved to Ohio, my wife and I got in big fights, uh, cause we had just gotten married and she kind of did not realize what a huge basketball fan I was. And I was watching the entirety of the playoffs cause that's kind of what I did, you know, from April to June was I watch NBA playoffs. I mean, I could have told you about every playoff. I would sit there, my favorite day of the year was the first day that there was four games on in a row and just watch them back to back to back to back. And man, that team, I load that team and I was so happy. I remember when Kobe Bryant was a rookie and Shaq was basically said, we're never going to win with this kid. And I remember the, him basically shooting them out of the playoffs, his very first year, um, his rookie year. And well, the crazy thing is how he got to that team, because he basically told Charlotte that he was not going to play for him. Yeah. Uh, And then they ended up trading Vlade Divas to Charlotte for the rights to draft Kobe Bryant. And he was drafted like eighth. And I think that's another big thing. Like Kobe Bryant, really was the first guy that brought coming back coming out of high school back to the nba um because i think the next year was kevin garnett but it was Uh, no kevin garnett i thought it was was the year year before, before but it was kevin garnett and then kobe bryant was like whoa these two guys are amazing and the funny thing was like if they redrafted those Years, Those guys would probably absolutely... Go. I don't know who else was in their draft, but... Well, KG yeah. was drafted first. No, he wasn't. He wasn't? He, he was not drafted first. No. Kevin Garnett was drafted, like, fifth. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah that I, was... Now that I gotta was... look. Where was Kevin Garnett drafted? You so the up year... Well, when was Tim Duncan drafted first? Was that 98? It must have been. The I 95 know. draft... Kevin Garnett was fifth pick overall. Hey, I got oh, it. Oh, right nice, there. nice. Um, and then I think Kobe was like in the he was teens. Like, yeah he was like fourteen 12, I think or something yeah. And he didn't
2: really do anything his first two you know it wasn't until like his third year that it was like whoa no this but
1: there was shit. definitely flashes like he was a monster dunker he would have these scoring outputs. Yeah, and but, I mean,
2: just... he scored, like, less than 10 points a game. It wasn't He wasn't like LeBron or something like that yeah. where everyone knew this guy's probably going to take over the
1: league. When was Kobe Bryant drafted? 96. He was the 13th pick. Okay, I was one pick off. But, yeah, I mean, so what did Kobe average his, his first year?
2: Oh, so Kobe was drafted the same year as Duncan. That's right. That's why okay. they're going to be in the Hall of Fame, the same Hall of Fame class. Okay. So yeah, ninety yeah, seven. Seven point
1: six and then fifteen point four the second year, which is a huge leap. Um Oh wow. Um oh wait, do I have this wrong?
2: Was he the year before Tim Duncan? Was he the was he the Allen Iverson year? I don't know. Yeah, he was the Allen Iverson year. Okay. Oh the Marcus Canby. yeah, okay, so Allen Iverson, Marcus Camby, Sharif I'm, wow, there's some Chuckers in this class, Stephon Marbury, <laughs> Ray Allen, Antoine Walker Former Cabot Lorenzen Wright, Kerry Kittle, Samaki Walker. Oh my gosh, Eric Dampier. I don't even know who Todd Fuller is, but he was eleventh. Vitaly Patapico from Wright State University.
1: Uh, wow, the Captain Wright is has also passed. He was uh, killed in Memphis. Remember yeah. they yeah remember put that. his wife on trial recently. I do remember murder. that. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think Patapico is now a Cavs coach. No, he's not coaching for the Cavs anymore.
2: Oh, he's not a big man coach anymore.
1: No, he is coaching, I believe, but <clears throat> I don't believe he's coaching. He's not coaching for the Cavs.
2: Yeah, this he's is crazy because then Orlando. look at look, look at numbers thirteen through I guess twenty. You've got Kobe, Peja Stojakovic, Steve Nash, Jermaine O'Neal's in there, and Z is at twenty. So, argue, I mean, it's very easy to argue 13 to 20. You had way better than, I mean, other than AI and I guess Ray Allen. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of well, sort he, of, uh, there, I mean, some of these guys.
1: You he look played at a guy like, longer than all those guys, too, which is amazing.
2: Yeah. But you look at a guy like Antoine Walker. I mean, the downside of his career.
1: The was cover small. boy for the Pablo Torre. Uh, uh, no, article. that that
2: was. um.
1: That was Antoine Walker.
2: They he didn't answer. I don't think Tory had a
1: cover boy, but yeah, Antoine no, wait, Walker is okay. a guy proverbially, but, proverbially. Yeah. So yeah. also Batum and Co is an assistant in for Memphis, right now. Oh, okay, another Memphis connection tonight. So, yeah, no, I mean it's just uh, the NBA history is has got me all up in my feels, Tom. Yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, I so Terry Pluto. Um, so much of my twenties and thirties spent watching these guys sorry and i terry, didn't mean to interrupt you
2: oh no terry pluto wrote a book called vintage calves yeah. um that i'm actually actually quoted in which is kind of cool and i just i hadn't finished reading it and i just soon as i put the kids down to sleep i'm like i just felt like reading it just to just read about the nba and really touching reading a lot about hot rod williams and about uh and very interesting reading about kind of the Danny Ferry situation and um, just how awful that was, kind of for everyone. I mean, that was definitely one of the worst moves the Cavs ever made. And then, of course, you know, Ferry had injuries, and so he was never the player that he was in college. And um, but just reading that book, yeah. and it, it spends a lot of Phil's time in that book. No, it's about the Cavs up well, until okay. they moved to Gund. Okay. So it it's the. And, uh... 1970 to 1993. Nice. Um, yeah, so it was very interesting. It talks about you know Nick Mallett and how he basically used everyone else's money to um, to buy a lot of things and then, but he brought basketball to Cleveland and then Ted Stepien. It's almost surreal. Ted Stepien. Um, it cost 36 million dollars to build the Richfield Coliseum and I think Gordon Gund bought it for like two hundred (laughs) grand like a couple years later.
1: Which is just totally stunning. Oh yeah. Um, Ted Stepion was a colossally bad businessman. And he was
2: so bad. He drove Joe Tate out of town. He
1: put this is gonna make me upset. Go ahead. Keep going.
2: Yeah. Well it was just interesting, but the Cavs, um it made me very thankful that it worked out the way it did. It made me thankful for David Stern because I've never liked Stern, but he was really the one that convinced Gordon Gunn to buy the team because Gunn was really the only one that it made sense to buy the team since he owned Richfield Coliseum. Um, but he didn't want the team. He's like, "This thing's just a money loser. Why would I? You know, why would I want it?" And you know, um, David Stern. You know, initially the negotiations are, "Well, you're going to need a." a team if you're going to actually keep this building what are you going to you going to sell the building after you just bought it and then um but the problem is ted stepion had traded away all the Cavs' first round draft picks yeah and that's why well they literally uh stepion rule basically the league had to step in to create a rule called the, the ted stepion rule. rule
1: and now it's the best uh prep uh or the best NBA draft site there is right now
2: yeah stepion rules and it and it um Basically, was a something to keep teams from sabotage or to keep organizations from sabotaging a franchise like Stepien did. And so Gunn basically said, you want me to buy a team that is terrible and has like no draft picks and loses money every year? Like, explain to me why this makes any sense. And so they've never done this since then, but the league allowed the Cavs to buy draft picks at about 200,000 a pop. And so they bought a bunch of draft picks, which is what they yeah, needed. Yeah, but
1: Ted Stepien not running the team anymore.
2: Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the was, way. That was the key. Well, and what was interesting is. Because
1: in basically order, they had to do that so someone would buy the team.
2: Well, first of all, there was two sides to this. There was the NBA saying, okay, w- the NBA was very much struggling and they were trying to remain viable. And they wanted it to remain viable in Cleveland um, because, you know, a thousand people were going to games. They were thinking about packaging the Cavs with the Pacers and just relocating them to Indianapolis and having just one franchise made out of the best of those two organizations in terms of players and draft picks and whatever. Um, But they had to convince Gund to want to buy the team once they did that. He went to Stepion with an offer to buy the team, but part of the offer was to also buy Stepion's advertising agency, which is where he made all of his money. It was called like Lakefront Advertising or something like that. And so Stepion didn't want to, but he I mean, the Cavs were actually a gigantic liability for him financially. So he eventually did sell and the Cavs kept losing money for a couple of years, but that advertising agency kept making money. And so Gordon Gunn was able to use their profits from the advertising agency, um, you know, to to deal with the fact that the Cavs were still bad. And then, of course, uh, Gunn hired Wayne Embry and then uh, Wayne Embry hired Lenny Wilkins and drafted Mark Price. And yeah, and it's really interesting it, yeah. just like understanding those guys, Embry and and uh, Wilkins were. They were very, very, very much focused on high-quality character Mm -hmm. to the extent that um, they didn't have a problem trading Kevin Johnson, who almost anyone else would have argued was probably had a higher ceiling than Mark Price because Johnson came into camp out of shape. Wow,
1: they called that one right. He was
2: negotiating his... uh, you know, back then you didn't have rookie salaries, so you would. Negotiate. Well, you
1: know the Kevin Johnson, mayor of Sacramento story, know. right? I, I do know, I do yeah. know that. But look uh, it up. I mean, we, it's not the time for this story, but if you're but listening just, and you want to know, Google that story. It's not but,
2: pleasant. Yeah. But where I'm going with this is, they made a decision based on a couple of things, and one was character. And mm-hmm. Price completely outplayed Kevin Johnson that off season in practice. And they knew that okay, this guy was a much higher draft pick. He's a bigger player. He was, you know, he's got a higher ceiling. But they looked at the two of them and they said, well, this guy price is better right now, and he's a high character guy. So they traded Kevin Johnson to bring in Larry Nance, another high character veteran. Um, they did not want to. Uh, there were a lot of people against drafting. Uh, hot rod williams but one guy in particular really 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 worked hard for that and it turns out hot rod was innocent i mean it took a jury like an hour to realize that whole trial about point shaving was a total scam and that's really interesting to read about that because hot rod's like one of the nicest humans it sounds like that's ever lived rest in peace he died about five years ago from cancer but the calves were making moves in the mid 90s or mid 80s around Character people. So another decision they made was drafting Brad Doherty over Len Bias. And of course, Len Bias died days after the draft from a cocaine overdose. Yeah. Uh, but that was, again, a high character um, draft pick. So you could see in making a lot of those decisions, it really paid off. And then Ron Harper had a lot of friends and associates that were involved in drugs. Ron Harper never was involved in drugs, but it started to make the Cavs really nervous. And they made kind I mean, not kind of, they made a, uh, some, they jumped to to conclusions. They, they overreacted. They made a decision where they probably should have done nothing. And seven games into the season, they just were looking to, to deal Harper. And they, their posture was that it's his contract year. He's not going to resign here. So we're going to trade him now. And the whole league called bullshit on that. And they thought, well, something must be wrong. It must be injury or, or drugs or person. You know, there's something going on. And the Cavs players loved Ron Harper, the player, even if he was different off the court than the rest of them who were all – they all had families. They all, like, were barbecuing together, going to church on yeah. Sunday. You know, Ron Harper was not that, but he wasn't a bad guy and he wasn't involved in trouble. They were nervous that either he would be or they somehow he was and they just couldn't validate it. And so then they basically traded him and a bunch of future first round draft picks for the rights to have Danny Ferry the next year after he got done in Italy. And in Italy, um, he actually banged his knee with Bob McAdoo, of all people, never recovered, had surgery after the season and more injuries. And of course, we all know. Danny Ferry was a a bit player um, for the Cavs, and Ron Harper went on to win titles for the Bulls. But it was really interesting reading about that because I always knew about, especially
1: given Danny Ferry's later history with the Cavs and winning championship with the Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very small NBA world.
2: Yeah, but it was just it was like I never, I never really understood the Harper for Ferry. Like I didn't know that. They were worried about Harper being caught up with drugs. I didn't know that. You know, I just knew that wow, well, that was a dumb move. But so it's a good book. Um Not for sure. It's definitely like I appreciate it as a book. You can you can really tear through it in a couple hours. It feels like a book that I would I highly recommend it, but it just makes me want more. Like it makes me there's just there's little bits here of just incredible nuggets and little quotes, and I just feel like, man, I'd just love to be sitting down at a campfire or something, just talking to these people, and just yeah. talk for hours about this because it's you know it's just um, it's like imagine if Tolkien just wrote like a little hundred page book, you'd be like, oh my gosh, you have so much more to offer, and so. Um, oh. But I did, I, I did appreciate it.
1: I mean, I love the late '80s through the '90s. I mean, that is where I cut my teeth as an NBA fan, and then you know, 2000 to now. I mean, it's, it's crazy how far we come And One of the things that, so you mentioned Ted Stepien and I immediately got kind of choked up and I'm like, I know um, that Corey Huey probably wrote the Ted Stepien article for, cause about four years ago we did Cavs rank villains. Um, not four years ago, 2015. So four and a half years ago, um we did Cavs Ranked Villains and the number three Cavs Ranked villain was um of course Ted Stepien and I thought it was Corey that had written it, but it was actually E. G, Evil Genius. Um but uh, Corey loved the article. He did he did comment on it. Um I'm gonna read his comment here. EG, you did the damn thing. (laughs) If Stepien would have gotten his way, this blog wouldn't exist. And the story of professional basketball in Cleveland would have ended 30 years ago. As vile as the next two villains are, Stepien is the worst of the worst. (laughs) And then, of course, uh, so I want to go look because I'm almost positive that the number two villain is got to be. Okay. Number two villain is Michael Jordan. And then you know who we ranked as the number one villain in 2015. 2015, yeah. Um, in the Cavs. Cavs. Cavs rank villains. Um, we. I think this is the point that. Oh, oh, yeah, it's Kelly Olynyk. No, it was LeBron. In 2015. In before he the Cavs signed him. Oh, I'm missing you. I must have missed something. What was the question? Who was the biggest villain in Cavs rank villains in 2015? It was LeBron James. You mean like before he came back? Um. So let's go look.
2: Because he came back in 2014.
1: Yeah, but we rated him number one villain because oh. he was the number one villain at that time. Well, he he was he, yeah. in the in the history of Cavs. I mean. It was Miami LeBron, is what we called him. Yeah. LeBron's heel turn. And yeah, that was the number one villain. And I think this is literally what made a certain commenter more angry at me than anything ever. <laughs> Once again, sure. I need to point out the absurdity of this ranking. <laughs> and he just goes on from there. So, uh, it's so funny. I mean, yeah. The, the connect. This is what Tony Kornheiser calls the connective tissue of this blog and the NBA and and our lives. It's it's crazy, and I I just I hope that the whole situation uh, with that people have some restraint and some respect for everybody involved with the situation. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's so tragic. I know. I mean those are probably going to be. Uh, lawsuits involved on behalf of the families that are in that crash. And, you know, I don't even imagine what Vanessa Bryant must be going through right now. Um, it's just horrible. Yeah. And you just hope for healing for everyone involved. I mean, and and here's the crazy thing. Like I was fully prepared to come on this podcast today. Um, cause I wanted a podcast And say the Lakers are going to win a championship this year. Yeah, they might. Well, I, I mean, I just, I watched them and I go, LeBron is still in command of all his powers. He has the best big man in the league right now with him. And Mm -hmm. they put a very competent team around him.
2: Yeah. More than I thought. um, Well, honestly,
1: yeah. And they've, they've done a really nice job. I I, I don't want to say it's true. Um but they've they've definitely put enough pieces around him that it's going to work. Now key injuries could really hurt that team. Yeah. Uh, clearly, but that team can win a championship and I feel like when everybody's healthy, they have the highest ceiling in the league right now. I think the
2: Clippers have a higher ceiling, but I don't know if I trust them to maximize the strengths of their stars. Whereas I think um, LeBron with a full season under his belt with AD will be a very tough out. And the way LeBron makes adjustments now at this point in
1: his yeah. career. And the way he shoots, quite frankly.
2: Oh, the way he shoots. Um, <coughs> he's hard, He's a hard out. He was, a, I mean, people forget because they were gentleman sweeps, but LeBron was just straight up insane, even in the, even in, uh, the finals losses to, um, to the Warriors. So even when, you know, in 2015, when it was him, Tristan and Delvedova, um, they went up three, three, uh, or they're up two one and they just ran out of steam. But in 2017, um, LeBron was totally unstoppable. It was just, you know, taking a a 73-win Warriors and adding Kevin Durant and then giving them overturning a call, thanks Kenny Maurer, and then J.R. Smith being a bonehead was just too much for even LeBron to overcome. But yeah, yeah don't, don't sleep on LeBron. He'll be the greatest uh, 35, 36, 37, and 38-year-old player um, in NBA history, I think.
1: Well, if he wins a championship this year, because I think – Jordan was 35 the last year he won a championship. Um he's in that discussion for sure as the great. Until he wins a ship, Jordan's still number 1 35 year old of all time. But Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I mean it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a tough day to be an NBA fan. Um and I mean and I will say one of the other things that I absolutely appreciated about Kobe, I respect the hell out of Pat Riley for it. I respect, um, who are the other guys that Michael Jordan for it? They don't tank. They don't feel intentionally bad teams. They won't play on intentionally bad teams. Kobe Bryant was livid and probably his worst PR of his career. I mean, outside of, um, his uh, sexual assault stuff was when he was on a god awful Lakers teams and he would, just be surly as hell at the end of every basketball game and they reporters would come just to see how pissed off Kobe was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they would just gather around his locker room to see how pissed off Kobe was, and he hated losing. And
2: I think Well I would say there was there was the one time when he got so sick of taking heat for being a chucker, he literally decided in a in a game seven not to shoot the in a game half. seven
1: of the first round as... against Phoenix. Yeah. I believe that was the year that Steve Nash got body checked out of bounds and uh DL and um was it Stodemeyer left the bench and because of yep. that the Spurs won yep. the next They were games?
2: suspended. Yeah. yeah. Well not because of that, that was part of it. But okay the Spurs may have won yeah. anyway, but yes, that's correct.
1: I believe it's the same year, but yeah, against Phoenix, Kobe refused to shoot. <laughs> and yeah. Phil Jackson was so angry <laughs> I know and I remember I
2: mean, watching that game and then afterwards I can't remember if it was Barkley and them or who was but they just they went they went ballistic on Kobe so that was one of the most embarrassing things they'd ever seen
1: and... oh my gosh yeah
2: I mean, but they that's... asked him about it in the post game and I was waiting for him to be like hell yeah now you know don't like it so much when I don't shoot do you or whatever but I think he actually gave like a like they had him in studio later, the next, maybe the next round, they had him in, and he was there, like all dressed up in a tie and very charismatic. And like after Game Seven, the, the I think it was TNT, they had just trashed him, and so here he is with that crew. And I'm just thinking, like, man, is he going to start throwing punches after what these guys said about him? And he was very thoughtful, like a good PR type response about <laughs> it. I'll have to see if I can find that, but it was yeah. very much like. A tactical discussion
1: to be I mean, like that's one thing like kobe could get super mad and and then he just knew how to channel that into like almost like creepy level focus and you yeah, saw it yeah. in that in the way that he dealt with the pr you saw it in the way he played sometimes yeah like he just was i he was so calculating and so driven and focused Um, and in many ways that was what, you know, Lakers fans loved about him in that he had much more than LeBron, especially early in his career, um, taken on, it become the heir apparent to Michael Jordan of that just killer. I'm going to take over a game. I'm going to control every aspect of this game and I'm going to will my team to victory by being, more competitive than you and wanting it more than you. And LeBron was a guy that deferred. He was a guy that passed. Um we all saw what happened in two thousand nine, which I think probably was the long term the best thing that ever happened to LeBron. I think if that first championship had come too easily to him, it he would not be the player he is now. Um because I mean he was just roasted over the coals after losing in two thousand nine, and you remember i mean they became the evil heat um yeah and and i the they they were the heatles there were so many nicknames for him my uh my nickname was the Brotherhood of evil mutants um after the the marvel <laughs> villain group um yeah and kobe very much i think influenced lebron that way and the conversation absolutely influenced lebron but yeah kobe had that level of calculatingness and just the ability to focus his anger into just it's so hard to describe but you know what i'm saying right just like cold almost menacing menacing is a good word to describe it like just, yeah i mean you would never see kobe Kobe would have his outburst and then he would shut up and then he would go retire to his Kobe bunker and like yeah uh figure out how to plot the next chapter you know and that next chapter yeah. and, and I think hopefully for his family um and for the people that he cared about that next chapter was being a good uh husband and father um and yeah. You know, because I think people who worked with Kobe knew that he was all business. Uh, right. And he was very, very driven. I mean, it was interesting the relationship he and Phil Jackson had. Because Phil Jackson yeah. basically wrote a novel about what a damn prima donna was Kobe was, and yeah. then yeah. came back and coached him. And then yeah. came back
2: to coach him. Yeah, that must have been an interesting relationship. Yeah. It, it reminds me a little of the LeBron Dan Gilbert relationship where. Yeah, you know, you both people have some pettiness to them. I mean, clearly Phil Jackson yeah. was petty for writing that. Uh, big egos, but a lot of talent and a lot of capability, and the ability to swallow your
1: pride a little bit and work together
2: for I, a greater I good. I don't
1: know about that. I, I think comparing Phil Jackson to Kobe Bryant, or not Phil Jackson, well, Phil Jackson to um,
2: I'm not comparing. Dan him. Gilbert I'm just is saying, kind of ridiculous. I'm just
1: saying the fact that you can, you know. You can mend fences for in pursuit of a common goal.
2: Right. But I also so think both, both, I both don't know if LeBron publicly lambasted, you know, a one of their athletes. And then years later, they were back together again, winning a title. I mean, there's some similarities, right?
1: There are, but I don't think truthfully that LeBron ever respected uh, privately Dan Gilbert after that whereas i think kobe still probably respected phil jackson privately up yeah. well that's probably
2: fair but guess who doesn't respect phil jackson at all lebron, LeBron. <laughs>
1: so well, i mean yeah. <laughs> and that's I don't one of the great know. articles i never wrote was about that and it was about how it was 2016 and lebron was basically um bitching about kobe or about uh, Phil calling him and his crew his, quote-unquote, posse. And I was like, my take on that article was, yeah, this is going, this argument doesn't really matter and isn't going to matter because literally in three months we're going to have Nazis in the White House. So that was the take I wish I had taken and never did. Um <laughs> I lost you, by the way. Oh, you lost me. That's insane. So the White I House literally yeah, had
2: it, what? The White House heard you, and they uh, they, they sent an update. Did you hear to what your, I said? Your computer, not really. I okay, mean, I, so I heard I said, Nazis. Basically,
1: why are we arguing about calling at young African American males a posse when, um, in three months we're going to have Nazis in the White House, and so, and then you faded out, and I was like. Literally, that's my my most incendiary take in the history. Of yeah, Project that blog.
2: was that's that's incendiary.
1: So, but. I, it was it was crazy. So, I mean, and it, it's very interesting to see where Kobe. I I would have liked to have heard Kobe's thoughts on that beef for sure. That would have been interesting yeah. to hear. Well, I was probably smart. He just avoided it because. Oh yeah, I well, mean, LeBron. Both, I mean, him and LeBron it, were both Nike guys.
2: I would say that. Over the years, many people have been disrespectful to LeBron and to,
1: I guess I shouldn't call them as posse, but to LeBron. No, and poop, I'm totally right? quoting Phil Jackson when I no, say no, that.
2: I, I know I just yeah. think
1: the,
2: I just think you can use the word posse. And what you mean is a collection of people that are the only thing they have in common is that they work for or they follow one person. Like yeah. I don't. Yeah, at I don't think of he it didn't in, call them like, s- at least he at didn't all, call them but... slugs. Right. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think about it, and it's like you read stories about the Cavs organization caught so much heat for the fact that they let LeBron's boys, they would call them, on the team planes and they all got jobs and it yeah. was kind of like, oh, but Pat Riley and the Heat, they would never run such a clown show to allow a player to have that much power. And it's kind of like
1: actually now this is super interesting because I actually had a Twitter conversation with which the guy that I'm going to um mention in my Things to Pitch this week hot twittering action on Cavs a podcast.
2: Well let me finish my thought while you're looking (laughs) at is that um the Cavs organization was roundly criticized for the fact that they didn't um have that militant pat riley style that the heat had when they had lebron and it was like oh look you know lebron needed a real organization and a real coach not just someone that was going to let him you know make all the decisions or run wild or blah 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 blah. and then what's funny is that that same mindset is how that's how phil jackson is he's got the same pat riley mindset you know um that the organization is strong and the players conform to the organization. It's, it's why uh, they were going to run the triangle offense, right? It was just, it's very, a lot of structure. And yet, you know, when Phil Jackson made some kind of unnecessary commentary about the way teams cater to LeBron, you know, LeBron fought back. So I don't, I don't know if there's something, there was something else to that, but that, that was kind of a uh, a common thing through the years about you know about LeBron that you know he wanted his people taken care of. Um, so I I mean, for whatever reason, Phil Jackson saying it really pissed him off and then he LeBron made it about well, this is about race and this is about you don't want empowerment for African American and it's like, well, that's a stretch. I mean, maybe he's felt that, but I'm right. not sure I'm not sure Phil Jackson that's what he meant by his tweets or whatever but or or with the quote in his book but lebron wanted to
1: go there so i mean i don't know yeah oh i i mean it's so and, and the funny thing about that is you know phil was like that until he got a ridiculous amount of money from james dolan and then is basically well i'm going to throw all that stuff about a strong organization and stuff out the window because I'm going to get a paid ridiculous amount of money by a very rich man who wants to basically control his team and win and makes just idiotic requests. And I'm going to go get Amari Stoudemire and I'm going to have you coach him and you go try to make this work. And clearly it did not work. Right. Um, and then of course, uh, Phil Jackson had all he could say about discipline and culture and then went out and got, you know, Dion waiters and Hassan Whiteside. And then it was only when the Heat's other players and when they were able to basically finagle a trade for Jimmy Butler, that, uh, (laughs) that, that became important again. Um, so, you know, it just goes to show you how much of a hypocrite everyone is. Yeah. um, Oh, and it's at Space Fun Mars is Spicy Peas and One Mixtape World Tour VHS Hour uh, is a very good Twitter follow. And we were going back and forth on how ridiculous. So there's rumblings coming out of the Clippers now that basically this is how Paul George and Kawhi are, and their boys are running the whole team now. And of right. course, there were many, many, many rumors about all the stops that were pulled out by Steve Ballmer to basically pay all of you know, right. Kawhi's family under the table, etc. Um, right. So, you know, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. And usually if you do know history, you're doomed to repeat well, it.
2: Well, and the other thing is, it's probably worth just overall noting that, you know, we've been talking about a lot of this stuff. I talked about the Wayne Embry People are going to take a result and then they're going to look backwards yeah. and, and make an analysis. So Craft
1: a narrative that fits their yeah, world. View. So plenty of players oh, yeah. that
2: were extremely low character. People have won titles. Um, yeah.
1: I, I think in Floyd, all sports, I think Floyd
2: Mayweather <laughs> is a low character person yeah. based on you know what I've learned about him, but he, he might be the greatest boxer of all time. Or, I mean, he's one of the best, um, you can put together a team of knuckleheads, and they can win it all. So this idea that it's like you have to all be um, a certain type of player, or the organization has to run a certain way, the bad that, you have to, or that you have to have this style of leadership, it's not really true. I think there's a variety of ways um, that you can go about winning, whether it's an NBA championship or, or any other thing. And as an organization, you know, you, the, first and foremost, you, you need productivity and talent, and then you really hope that you don't have character issues that would sabotage that. Well, but the, highest the highest character people in the world, with with no talent or productivity, will not win. So you know, you make you make some concessions for for talent, and that's just kind of a a reality yeah. of of the world we
1: live in. And and people who don't get along. who would never get along off the court or off the football field can get along on it. And you know, and it's the same thing we talked about. LeBron and Dan Gilbert. But yeah, it's it's really yeah, and I don't think Kobe, his whole life was always the best person. Um and I also think that age and maturity and uh and and I I don't I'm I'm very qualified when I'm saying when I say that cuz I'm very hesitant to judge uh young African American men um because I I do think it's unfair to to profile them and I I know plenty that are fantastic people and yeah now I'm just digging myself a hole but yeah <laughs> just keep talking No just, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is you'll make is, it to China <laughs> Yeah I am I'm digging to China so yeah no I mean Kobe Bryant Definitely had his problems when he was younger, but I think it shows you that you can improve as a person. You can be a better person, and what you do in your youth does not have to be the story that gets written about you when you're older. And, you know, you can have a lifetime of being great when you're young and then, you know, make bad decisions when you're older too. So
2: the other thing is, I mean, as fans, there's 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 plenty of people, you know, maybe in your own life that are more worthy of your admiration than any athlete, but they're not yeah. as exciting as an athlete.
1: That's <laughs> so true.
2: a lot of this that we're talking about, a lot of the emotions, a lot of the outpouring that you'll see for Kobe, a lot of it is just it's something we do as fans because it's much more comfortable to feel like the people that we root for are also good people. You know, it's less yeah. comfortable to think. Well, I really love that player, but ah, oh, turns out he or she's just really a jerk or has done yeah. criminal things. That that that's not you. You have to like almost decide in your head: Am I comfortable wearing this jersey or rooting for this person, knowing that? Yeah, they're not in my in my opinion high character. So, no,
1: but the the Ben Roethlisberger's and um, yeah. I'm trying to think of just notable sports jerks. Reggie Jackson is a notorious, not the point guard, but the baseball player. You know, there's stories oh, about Mr. what Mr. a October? jerk he was. Yeah, Mr. Oh, okay. October. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or Mr. April, A-Rod, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Arod, interestingly, has some similarities to Kobe, in my opinion, in that um he is super talented was a stud as a very young player yeah in a very large spotlight at a very young age had this fall from grace and then tried to kind of rehabilitate his image i think kobe had a lot more success there but now post career holy cow a-rod is like everywhere he's like investing in all this stuff he's this very good tv analyst and it's like holy cow (laughs) a-rod like so there are some similarities there and People that were burned burned so bright so early had some down years from a from a success and a public relations standpoint, and then have been working you know to rehabilitate that. But yeah, I, I guess I, I don't know Kobe from Adam. Um, so, but I, I will just say that he entertained me. Um, he was a fun guy to kind of hate as a player. I grew to respect him um, as his career went on, and as my you know knowledge of stats and my own admission that you know like stats just to serve a narrative are more more dangerous than (laughs) the old traditional box score score stats that I always decried as being a useless proxy for real value And, (laughs) and just you know you never know if someone is really like a good husband or parent but when you're a figure that's that public and that exposed when you seem like you're a really good father and parent and you seem like you care and the public perception is look at what an engaged dad and husband this person is. I think that's probably more important
1: really to be the honest with you. I know that's sounds
2: in the reality. I, I,
1: I know it sounds super hip, hypocritical. No, no, no. I want to hear where you go with this thought.
2: It's that, you know, it's more important to Vanessa and his children that he's actually a good father and husband. And if, And if the public perception was he was a trash husband, a cheater, a terrible dad who only cared about his career, blah, 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 like people can think what they want. It's more important to those actual five people that he's a good person. But I'm saying Kobe isn't the public saying Kobe's like Kobe's not like you and me. You know, if if the eight people that read my tweets, you know, think I'm a, a trash husband or father, like I could care less and it doesn't affect anything. You know, my family knows, and your family knows. For Kobe, who the entire world knows who he is, I, I had a kid from Jamaica like start chatting with me, saying, "Man, I heard the news. I'm so upset. How are you doing?" Because he knows I'm a basketball fan. It's like Kobe was a worldwide was phenomenon. No, oh, just on GChat. Oh, okay. I'm saying Kobe's the worldwide phenomenon. So for the billions of people, or millions of people, or hundreds of millions of people that see him. As a caring father, as a loyal husband, as so- I think that's actually more important than the realities of was he actually. like. I'm not actually that interested in someone writing some book about, well, yeah, Kobe went on this rehabilitation tour, but he never really changed or whatever. It's like I don't really care. I mean I I, I want to celebrate the idea of fatherhood. I want to celebrate the idea of being – you know, very involved in your kid's life of taking your daughter. It's and, and... a
1: very utilitarian view, um, to, uh, to pull up some, you know, John Stuart Mill, um, philosophy. Well, but it, I mean, of, do
2: you, do you see to... where I'm going? Like what's oh, the...
1: no, I'm just saying it's very utilitarian. It's what gives the most good to the most people. Um,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think about it. I, I'm not comparing Kobe to him in any way, shape, or form, but you know, Dave Chappelle had a really heart wrenching segment in one of his comedy things where he talks about, you know, what it was like to deal with the Bill Cosby stuff. And at one point, I mean, it, the whole thing's part of his shtick, but at one point, he talks about he gets very serious and he talks about how Bill Cosby worked to make sure, you know, black people were represented in a positive way because this was a show that millions of people watch and that, you know, he are you know, almost possibility that he took seriously. Okay. And then, of course it's, it's, sentence, it's Dave Chappelle. It's incisive. It, it's Tom. biting. He, he juxtaposed it to like the terrible things he's done and it's hard to come to grips with. But I, and I know Bill Cosby apparently hurt a lot of people, so I'm not saying it's okay I'm just saying I think in a lot of ways the world would be better off with the example than the honest to God, God brutal truth. And I'm not saying that Kobe Bryant's got this dark thing going on. I'm just saying like I'm not really interested in getting well, to know if the rehabilitation tour was was a rehabilitation tour, or that's just like you said, he grew as a person and people can change. That's what I want that's what I'm gonna believe. And at the end of the day, I'm gonna see him and his kids smiling and running up to him, and his wife smiling and hugging him. I'm gonna be like, hell yeah, that's exactly what kind of a you know a person every man should strive to be as a loyal husband and a loving father and someone that his family is devoted to him because he's devoted to his family. And you know the the journalistic race to really talk through the nuances of Kobe's complicated legacy, whatever. I mean, I'm I'm really not interested in that. I I, I like what I saw from Kobe at the end and I'm, I'm just sad
1: he's gone. That's a, a very good summation and that lose you. No, that's a very good summation, Tom. Sorry. I had you on mute. Um, um, you had yourself on mute. I had myself on mute to, you're just letting me go. I was letting my, I was letting you go. Um, that's just where I'm at. I'm not saying other people have to feel that way. That's no, just... I'm, I think that's, it's a good, you know, I mean, we're not really going to talk about the Cavs on this podcast. Um, You know, they got their butts kicked last night, um, and it doesn't seem very important right now. Um, And so maybe, you know, uh, learn to be better people, high-quality people. um, And, you know, people that are extremely competitive and want, to work hard. That's the other thing about Kobe Bryant. His work ethic was legendary.
2: It was legendary.
1: Um, His competitiveness was legendary. And that's where I talked about just, you know, going back into the Kobe cave and, (laughs) and shooting up 5,000 jump shots, you know, he just, yeah, and he, he certainly had gifts. There's many people that had as many gifts as Kobe had on a basketball court, but there was very few people that honed them to the level that he did. Yep. Um and and that's what was special about him as a player for sure.
2: He and... he really he really worked to maximize his talent. Um you know the back half this the, the, he were, played for 20 years the, the last 10 years of his career, you know for the for a wing player, he had the best footwork in the league. Um he didn't have tendencies. You couldn't you know LeBron was overpowering and he could take over. But LeBron had tendencies for—I yeah. mean, he still does—but for a very long time, Kobe worked on his footwork to the point where you had to play him neutral. You could not choose a yeah. side. You couldn't try to use. You just—you didn't know what he was going to do, and um, his footwork was totally impeccable. He could and, fade away off I of either completely
1: leg. Completely think that LeBron took that part of his game too. Because LeBron's footwork has gotten so amazing and so much better. And his yes. ability to finish with either hand on either side yes. of the basket. Yes. Is, is something that he got from Kobe. Um, yeah. Be, and they made each other better players. Which, yeah. Which is the highest compliment you can give a competitor. So.
2: But I, I have a lot of appreciation and
1: just respect for great players that aren't complacent. You know, I have a lot of, I, I don't
2: like him personally, but watching Tiger Woods, um, when the Masters was was surreal, like oh my gosh, like I can't believe this is happening. Certain people, you know, I think uh, just it's human nature to
1: yeah, and they captivate
2: to, to, to the respect imagination. that yeah, and just to have just a respect for that because how hard it is to get to the top of the mountain and then to get to get knocked off and climb back or to remain there for so long, yeah. um, just takes a in you know indomitable will to do that so yeah
1: and to do it once is one thing to do it multiple times over and over again is what's amazing and i don't know if we'll see his like again because so many guys out of high school now are just happy to get to a situation and you know become the face of the franchise and you know oh i'll be a really good player in 5 years no kobe did not want to be a good player in 5 years Kobe got to a 20 point per game score by the time he was 20. Um, so
2: I think uh, I think the closest thing we might have to Kobe is um, actually Giannis.
1: Yeah, I, I, think I, that's, I see that's some similarities
2: in that he's not complacent, he's not trying to be anyone's friend. A lot, of, a lot to, of
1: European similarities too, because Kobe spent a lot of time in Italy growing up. Yeah, he seems
2: to. Um, He's not about, he's not like LeBron in that he's not about the fraternalness of the NBA, the fraternal order of the NBA. He's about his team and winning. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Like if, if Giannis starts to transition over the next five years from overwhelming freak athlete to someone with, you know, better footwork, more of a finesse player, well, you someone see,
1: that... already this year, the, the shooter that he's become is, is, the transformation in his shooting is amazing,
2: right? It, it, it is, but he gets a lot of time to load up on his shot because oh, teams are absolutely terrified of the blow by. So when the well, blow by,
1: but the amount of work away, that he must have had to put in to get to the right. be that level of shooter, right? I mean, you can only you can only work on one or two things at a time.
2: Oh no, 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 no! no. Yeah. But what I'm saying is,
1: yeah. no other player in the league gets a
2: second and a half to load up on an open three. Yeah. Because no other player in the league, other than maybe now Zion, holy cow, his first two games, watching those highlights is
1: terrifying. Yeah. He is unreal. No, there's a player that reminds oh me of a young LeBron. Zion? It's No, he's not a young LeBron, though. He is LeBron. He's like a... If he were a defensive tackle and then came yeah, out and he's played like, football, he,
2: he's like a Bo Jackson. It's like watching. Yeah, that's like a Bo really Jackson. good comp. It's he's... like if Bo Jackson played basketball is what yeah. it looks
1: like. Honestly, it, it's, I mean it's a scary. six foot seven Bo Jackson.
2: Yeah, but yeah. back to Giannis. I mean, I agree with you. He has gotten to become a much better shooter. I'm just saying, you know, you look at like where Kobe was and LeBron and a lot of those guys. They had a very high quick release at the end. That they could have a guy in their face, you know, jab, jab, step back the way Harden is. But I mean, Giannis doesn't shoot like that because he doesn't have to. So it'll just, you know, but the, the players that never get complacent, that are great, are constantly evolving as their yeah. hyper springiness Um, Wayne's, maybe they become stronger. Maybe they become smarter. Maybe they become a better shooter. Maybe like Kobe, it's all of the above and they work on their footwork. Look at Kawhi
1: this year. He's the best he's ever passed. He's a better passer than he ever was. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, it's amazing.
2: But I could see Giannis, um, I could see some Kobe esque similarities because he does seem to have that. uh, I'm not here to. I'm not here to do anything except dominate you. Yeah. Um not sure he he has that anger, that kind of rage that Kobe has,
1: but I mean it remains to be seen. Yeah, and I I I think we were extraordinarily lucky that we had him and LeBron and Shaq and uh who are some of the other guys, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett that just had that level of competitiveness. And I don't know, I think that's one of the problems in the league right now is there are not that many guys with that level of competitiveness left in the league. I think that's actually one of the biggest problems with the NBA right now is too many teams, players, organizations um, aren't about competing every night. They're about building a brand, building for the future, and not, I don't want to, I need to win this game now you know that that's there just aren't as many guys like that anymore um and and i'm gonna miss him we 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 shan't see his like again so yeah and uh
2: and i want to just say real quick like the i mean i the amount of love kobe has within the city of los angeles and, and i'm looking forward to when eg gets back and we can talk to him about this i'm looking forward to talking to Eli, who's in Southern California, I mean that city's got to be just devastated. I mean, yeah, well, just I mean they devastated. keep showing.
1: I've got the MDA TV on, and there's a huge, just people are just outside of um, Staples Center right now, and they've got a a huge screen up, and they're, they're just people there, yeah, you know, just paying respect. I, I just,
2: I think that, um. You know, for all the, all the Laker fans, all the Kobe fans, I I doubt hardly any are listening to this podcast, but I really do feel, I mean, I, I, I'm upset Kobe's gone, but I, I mean, those people got to just be crushed and I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I just, I hope that you can fondly remember the good times and just take, take it Kobe's, you know, last days as an example of how to live, you know, be a strive for greatness be a, be a family man you can do you can do both and um, i'm definitely you know my, my thoughts and prayers go out to just the whole gigantic city of los angeles because throughout pretty much kobe's entire legacy you know he went he was a villain to many people but i mean it, it was surreal it'd be like pr- a preseason game First quarter, someone would file Kobe and the Staples Center would rain MVP chance from the rafters. And it was like, is this a joke? Like, they just, they love that guy, I think, more than maybe any fan base that I'm aware of has ever loved a player. I can't even really think of a comp um, other than, you know, Lakers with Kobe.
1: I want to say Cleveland and LeBron. Oh, no. Not but even close. I, <laughs> not even close. No, no, I. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's true. I wanna say it, but it's not true. I'm trying to think of a of a comp. I mean maybe the Patriots, maybe New England and Tom Brady. Maybe that might be it. Maybe that might
2: be the comp. I, I don't even know. I'm thinking like Denver and Elway. I Yeah, I, maybe. Oh, 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 oh. Um um hockey. There's some hockey ones, right? Uh like Lemieux and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh and oh, Bobby Orr and Boston.
1: Yeah, but hockey is not. No, I the know sport it's that those others are. I mean, I I don't know if there is a comp. I mean, maybe the basketball, comp is. I, I'm thinking. I, I'm trying to think of one in, in basketball.
2: The what the comp would be, and I'm I'm honestly coming up empty. I, I don't know.
1: Might, the only other comp might be Magic. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I it's not the same. I I
2: don't it, think. No, Laker it's not the same into magic as they
1: were Kobe.
2: Um, it it might be Steph. (laughs) Uh, maybe it might be a little early for that, but yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm struggling to think of a comp where in basketball, I'm definitely struggling. I think you could probably find it in football a little bit
1: with some different.
2: I think that'd be a lot easier. Um, who are some iconic franchise, you know, football players like, um, Uh,
1: Brady, Elway, but I I don't know. It's just basketball's just a different game. You need eleven guys. You need really twenty two guys in football. You know, offense, defense. In basketball you got five guys, and it's just a different
2: Oh, okay, I got one. It's like Boston and um Big Pappy.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's, that's, a, pretty that's good, a that's that's but... a
2: close one. They really love that guy.
1: It... Uh-huh. Or sh or shilling. <laughs> I'm trying to think if
2: the uh, Yankees and Jeter. It's like Yankees. Yeah, and Jeter.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's the comp. That's probably it's, the only thing that's close. Yeah, I would say. It, it's just it's, from uh, the fair. length of career, how yep. long he was there.
2: Yep. Um, you know. just a just a solid fundamental player. Just always wanted to win. Um, Jeter was never never had some of those like villain tendencies. But yeah, I mean, I you have know. a really really good friend that's a a big time yankees fan and i mean jeter is just the the, the consummate yankee for well, sure and
1: the, and the, you probably know what is a, another really great comp is mm. that was jeter ever the best player in the league no oh and no neither was kobe but you could say jeter there were definitely five-year stretches where jeter was the best player,
2: probably the best yeah yeah uh, especially you know. earlier in his career and again like kobe he stayed very good and relevant late in his career. I mean, he yeah. didn't ha- he didn't fall off a cliff or anything yeah. like that, like a lot of players do.
1: Oh, Jeter had that one play where he picked up the missed throw to home plate and threw yeah, the Yeah, that was out. one of the greatest play- plays of all time. That yeah, I remember. I, I, I watched
2: seen. that live. I remember watching that when that, <laughs> that happened.
1: Was like, I was young, yeah. Celebrate your life because you don't know how much time you have any day. So do the things that matter in your yeah. life and to the people in your life. You got anything to pitch, Tom? What's uh, the Cavs book, book again? Vintage Cavs by Terry Pluto. Nice, nice. And um, I, d- I don't have much to pitch. Spicy Peas World Mixtape Tour VHS Hour or whatever. Uh, <laughs> that, that's probably the Twitter follow and and I'm glad I've I've stayed off Twitter the today and
2: yeah. It, it, I mean, it's either sad or irritating. It's not. Yeah. There's not, you're not going
1: to find anything that's going to lift you up. And then the Cavs, the Cavs are on again tomorrow, um, at the Pistons. Uh, I hope they play with a little bit of inspiration. You know, Larry Nance, former teammate of Kobe Bryant, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they were, they were teammates. Yeah. So hopefully the Cavs play with some inspiration and, um, and that we enjoy them and we enjoy each other and and that's all we can really have so yeah so and as always I'm not gonna say go calves I'm gonna go I'm gonna say hug your kids hug your kids <laughs> try to be better via and Diaz, Kobe yeah everybody in your crew identifies as
2: either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich but you're the fileo fish sandwich all day.